Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street, my name is J.J. Jackson. On the program with me today, I've got Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, and we've got a fun edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show playing for you today. Coming up, we'll have our birthdays in sports. Chelsea Janes of the Washington Post will be on our program. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer stops by. We're going to continue our NFL division previews throughout today's show we've got the nfc east and afc east due up for sports call today plus a nightly tv guide brought to you by our friends over at white claw hard seltzer a lot of fun things due up on the program today and we want you to be a part of it 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 to be here on the program jj inside the studio with ryan and brooks as we get rocking and rolling here today, Mr. Ryan LaVoy, how are you, sir? Uh, doing well. I'm excited to talk more football. Excited that uh, we're just counting down a single-digit amount of days and that it's game week and got to see some college football this past weekend and uh, was certainly entertained by the Nebraska-Northwestern debacle uh, on Nebraska's side of things and was also entertained to see how well Vanderbilt played. And now we get to have – everyone go this week uh starting thursday and going throughout saturday and then uh continuing to get closer to the nfl countdown as well I believe uh nine days till the first game of the year um between buffalo and los angeles so yeah i'm just it's just it's here and uh we're excited to actually have some results and some gameplay to, to talk about instead of speculation and some predictions brooks monroe childress you are doing well i would imagine i would hope how are you sir welcome into the program i am doing great had great a, i love a, it had a great final i guess fine you would call it final weekend before football gets fully underway we've had preseason going we've had high school get football going but uh, went up to the, the Smoky Mountains, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge for the weekend with my uh, fiance's family. Had a really fun time up there. Did the Dollywood for the first time I've ever been been up there. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really fun. Got to watch a little bit of football this weekend. Uh, yeah. Caught the end of the Florida State game. Caught a little bit of the Vanderbilt game. So I was really excited to watch some football and uh, watch some Braves this weekend a little bit too. You've given Ryan a recap of your weekend yeah. already, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I missed that conversation yesterday. My apologies. We'll, we'll have to do that sometime. Our conversations are kind of like more feet, like they, they move around, so not everybody catches every detail. Right, and I'm just kind of in my own little world all yeah. the time. And you're just out here living life. Difficult to catch up with. But, okay, let's move forward. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger nine should you want to call in and be a part of auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show the story in auburn the football season gets started we've got tj finley as the starting quarterback brooks how did you react to that news um i mean mildly i guess it felt like it was trending that way for the last couple of weeks you know you came into his fall camp and 
everybody was, you know, people were speculating, oh, is it going to be Calzada or is it going to be Finley? Kind of a lot of people were trying to lean it toward Calzada, but as fall camp kind of kept going, uh, you kept hearing more and more from uh, offensive coordinator Eric Keesaw. You kept hearing more from Brian Harson about how much they really, uh, really were liking the improvement that T.J. Finley made over the offseason and into fall camp. And, and it's, it wasn't a shocker. I mean, I think, like I said, it's been trending that way for the last couple of weeks. It felt like that he was going to be the uh, starting quarterback. I think not not a shocking move, but a a more surprising move is that on the two-deep depth chart that was released yesterday at the at the press conference that Robbie Ashford was the second string and not Calzada, which I think kind of still shows you that Calzada is still trying to get a hold of that offense and still trying to um, you know get back from that shoulder surgery that he underwent over the offseason. So I think you'll see Calzada in in the game at some point this year um and and i think you're you may see him uh you may see him this weekend or maybe against that san jose state game but i I think that this gives uh gives auburn and obviously brian harson thinks it gives auburn the best opportunity to win some football games is to have uh dj finley there and he'd said yesterday that it was kind of a surprise the media got to talk to tj finley yesterday it was only supposed to be harson and then uh tj finley gave uh let tj finley come in and talk a little bit he was said he was very appreciative and that he 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 was going to go out there and work his heart. He said to himself he was going to go out there and work his hardest over the offseason. And obviously he put that work in and seeing that he's the starting quarterback now, but he made sure to reiterate that the job's not done. You still got to go out there and win football games. And we've seen uh, the history. Brian Harson's not afraid to pull a quarterback. Yeah. And so we'll see. you yeah. got to be on your A game once Mercer comes around. You've got San Jose State the second week of the season for Auburn and then the big game coming up against Penn State. On our website, thetiger.fm, full detailed preview of Auburn football season done by Mr. Ryan LaVoy as he's done each and every year. It's been posted on our social media profiles, both on Facebook and Twitter, at SportsCallAU. Uh, Ryan's been tagged. He's shared it on his profiles, at Ryan LaVoy Zero. Make sure you go uh, read the work. We've got Movie Mondays from him as well that we've talked about before, but Ryan T.J. Finley is going to be the starting quarterback for the Auburn Tigers yeah I kept it purposely vague because I knew the quarterback battle uh I shouldn't say purposely vague in total I think there's a lot of specific stuff in there uh but I left it kind of vague in the quarterback sense because I was very aware that uh, there would be a quarterback decision made and when I wrote it a week or so ago finished it up that not been made so I'm like okay just gonna analyze quarterback position as a whole um under key players, uh, I put – or key returning players, I said Nick Brahms. So that's awkward, and I uh, couldn't predict that. But um, that's uh, that's the beauty of kind of learning what some of these guys that write each and every day uh, for a living have to deal with. Sometimes they print something, write something, and the next day it seems obsolete, or you record a podcast and something <laughs> something completely changes while yep. you're recording the podcast, unbeknownst to you. So – uh, anyway, uh, but I enjoyed writing that. Uh, I think it gives you a look at kind of all aspects of a program. It, it, I break down the personnel, the coaches, and the teams that Auburn plays in the schedule. So focusing on really, I think, the, the main aspects of it. And um, took a little while to put together. But look, if you, you have my predictions on paper, so you can gawk at them or – you know, if they look pretty good at the end of the year, great. If they don't, well, there it is. Make fun of me. Ha ha. You know, I mean, it's all out there. So, um, 
you know, I, I enjoyed writing it, and I think you can get a little bit of if you want if you want a complete preview of everything. Like I said, it's it's it breaks everything down. If you want to just take a chunk of it and say, hey, I just want to look at what you think of each position group and the grades you give, or I just want you, I just want to see how you rank the 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 difficulty of the schedule. Um, or if you just want a refresher on, I forgot some of the coaching changes and what these guys, how long these guys have been here or where they came from, that sort of thing. So, uh, I'm pretty proud of it and shout out to you guys or to you, JJ, for, uh, helping kind of be a second pair of eyes to edit some things since, uh, I don't have the journalistic background that some other people do. Uh, so I do appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, just ultimately though, just really excited that, uh, we're here at the season that we can talk about it and have a real preview and and uh, that we know that we know what to expect or we think we know what to expect and we know that it's all going to come come to a head here soon days away at this point from the start of the 2022 football season for your auburn tigers three o'clock saturday inside jordan Hare stadium we will have the tiger tailgate show 6 p.m kickoff for Auburn football. As you can listen to the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham on the play-by-play call alongside Stan White. We will chat with Mr. Andy Burcham coming up later in the week here on the program. Let's take a quick timeout. Chelsea Janes of the Washington Post will be a guest of ours today along with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. This is Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au follow sports call on twitter at sports call au like us on facebook at sports call au We're back on Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app inside the studio. J.J. Jackson alongside Ryan LeBoy and Brooks Childress. Major League Baseball insider Chelsea James from the Washington Post, a longtime friend of the program. She will get the opportunity to be on our show here in about 10 minutes. About 30, 35 games left in the baseball season. Major storylines, a lot of division races, and more going down to the wire. We chat with her coming up here in just a moment. Our Auburn Bank phone line is always open, 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 if you want to call in and be a part of our show as gentlemen will go to the phone lines for the first time during today's program. Ward Dam Steve. Yes, retired Ward Dam Steve joins us here on the program. Hi, Steve. Good afternoon, guys, and I am I am ready. Uh, I'm madder than a wet hen. Let's go. Uh, are you kidding me, Ron? Uh, am I kidding me? What? What? Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm reading your your prediction. Seven and five. We lose to Penn State. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Come on, look. You right. you've known this entire time. I've taught, said Auburn's around a six or seven win team. You've heard that all year from me. Yeah, but you know what? People are all, me as a retired therapist. I always say people you know, can always change. You can always. You know, do better. Fine, five and seven. I'm this, just kidding. This is not. This is not better. But I expected a little bit more, like an eight and four. You know, uh, at least. That's why line. you've got me walking in the building, Steve, to be more of the optimist. 
Okay. All right. So thanks first, for reading the article, though. Steve. Yeah, I that do appreciate a lot. That, We yeah. really do appreciate that. Well, you put some good thoughts into it, but you know, there's some flawed thinking in some of your predictions, though, uh, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm sure there that. is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, people say that about me as well, but who cares? All right. First, guys, I know you're gonna do birthdays, but I gotta go ahead and do it. A war damn shout out, happy birthday on his 21st birthday, Mr. Tank Bigsby. Yes, Big Tank, 21. Big 21. So I guess now he can go visit uh, Tom Peavy, wherever he bars. Uh, yeah, bar, right? you're, you're exactly right. He'll be welcomed with open arms. With open arms. Okay. All right. Well, let's go, guys, because I've got some – I'll tell you why I'm mad at went in. There are some people that are just continuing a scorched earth analysis on this Auburn team. Uh, worse, worse than your uh, analysis, uh, Ryan. Uh, let's go with the Avon Sports people. Uh, who is the gentleman you have from Avon Sports? What's his name? Steve Lassen. Okay. Well, I don't know who did this hit piece. Okay. Uh, but it's it's pretty scorching. Uh, it's entitled. Uh, just came out six hours ago. College football hot seat watch. Have you seen the article? I haven't seen the article yet, but I would imagine Coach Harson is listed. What's next for Nebraska, Auburn, North Carolina? So here's what he has to say about North. Uh, about uh, uh, Harvard. He says, no one in the industry uh, seems to think, say for some kind of moonshot record involving an upset of Alabama, Georgia, even both, uh, that uh, apparently Harson is going to remain here. And here's what he says. He says, Green's departure would be more accurately described as a resignation under extreme pressure, leaving zero cover for Harson heading to his second year. Now, apparently there's a podcast that Afon Sports does is called Split Zone Duo. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah. yeah. Yes, familiar with okay. that podcast. Well, apparently he says, it doesn't have the author's name, it just says Afon Sports. On Split Zone Duo, he says, I routinely described my likely Harson firing scenario in this manner. And here's the Scorcher's description of his firing of uh, Harson. The Tigers dropping a physical two-score game to Penn State only to be upset the following week by Missouri. Wow, that would be a, a little surprising if Auburn were to lose that Missouri game, yeah. Well, if that happens, guys, I'm going to take a, 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 a different hobby, uh, and that includes Jack Daniels. <laughs> uh, I, I, and, and Ryan, uh, just, I'm just curious, what is your evidence for saying that we lose uh, to Penn State? Yeah, so, I mean, I think that it's a, a team that, again, as we've talked about with Brian Marcello, is, um, could be ranked. They probably should be ranked. It's a little surprising if they're not. Uh, it is going to be big for Auburn to be at home, but it's also going to be the first game that Auburn's going to play that's legitimate. Uh, Auburn will be tested for the first time, and I think similar to last year, I think they'll show at times in that game where they will play better than Penn State, but they're also going to think, I think they're going to make mistakes that they – wouldn't have made if they've already played uh, a Missouri or just or, or LSU or anybody else that is of a decent caliber. Um, and so I just I just think they're going to make mistakes from their first big game. Look, I mean, playing Mercer and San Jose State is not even close to playing uh, Penn State. And as we know from last year's team, Auburn ran through teams like that last year, and then they got into uh, games against decent teams and and did stupid things. And so. Yeah, that's my prediction. Okay, um, fair enough. Let me point these possible factors, though, in maybe that score not being the outcome. Uh, it's going to be a 2.30 afternoon game. 
and I don't think it's going to be very cool weather. Uh, I don't know that Penn State players are going to be used to this kind of humidity and that kind of heat. Okay? Uh, we won't have Bo Nix. It'll be a different quarterback running the offense, correct? Uh, yes, it will be T.J. Finley, who is by all accounts the worst quarterback. Okay. Really? Yes. Uh, I mean, if we go by last season's performance, okay, I'll give you that. However, if he's the worst, then what does that say about the other two quarterbacks who didn't beat out Finley? Not great things, but I mean, Steve. So then we're not I mean, in a like, good position. Why, why would I assume that T.J. Finley is better than Bo Nix when every when what we've seen so far is that he was he was not really even that close, and even if he got better, we're not going to know that. We he might prove that, but we're not going to know that coming into the Penn State game for a fact. Exactly. So why are we disparaging him already, and we don't know? Because I'm going off what we've seen so far, which has not been very good. Well, okay. All right. And these are just uh, predictions at the end of the day, Steve. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. So uh, moving on with another score sure comment about uh, our team. Last one for us, Steve, and then we got a baseball reporter joining us on the show. All right. Are you familiar with Cover 3? Yes. Okay. Are you familiar with Bud Elliott? Yes, from 24-7 Sports. Okay. Well, uh, on this that two-minute rant, uh, he says, because they're all uh, chip passes on there, anyway, he, he says the following about the Auburn team, specifically the Auburn uh, offense. He says that uh, he's anti-Auburn's offense since uh, the fall and preseason, uh, or since spring season, and he says that the receivers, in fact, he said uh, the Auburn's offense are not any good, those are his words, and that the Auburn's uh, receivers, he says, are next to worst being Vanderbilt. Wow. Uh, where is the evidence for him making those kind of comments that we're next to worst? Uh, that's next to Vanderbilt. Just not a lot of production coming back in the receiving room. The two leading uh, guys at that receiver position in terms of touchdowns uh, from last year's team and Demetrius Robertson and Kobe Hudson are no longer on the team. So you've got a lot of guys that need to step up. They're talented, but they just haven't been able to put it out on the field just yet. Some of that due to opportunity. But again, these are just predictions, and and hopefully uh, Auburn can prove them wrong. That's the great thing about the season started is that we can shut up and, and stop speculating on things, and we can actually see what the product looks like on field and with that steve we got to let you go all right with that guys i'm going to go ahead and say i don't care what these analysts say they don't know the team uh neither do we that's right okay the march uh, to so 12 and 0 starts on saturday i'm looking forward to the games and uh i'm going to be stocked up with uh my uh remedies of you know what pepto-bisbal tums and Jack Daniels is necessary. There you go. All right, buddy. Bye Good guys. to hear Thanks from you. Every time. My time, I know, is way up. I look forward to the uh, other guests on there. So until next time. War Dam Eagle. War Eagle, indeed. That's our good pal, retired War Dam Steve, joining us here on the program. 334-887-3401. Toll free at one 9 if you would like to call in and be a part of our program as we go to the phone lines now. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt has called into Sports Call today. Hi, Matt. What's up, guys? Hey, Matt. Hey, buddy. Hey, hi, hey, uh, hey, Ryan. How are you? Good, Matt. How are you? Fine. You behaving today? Uh, not really. Uh, hey, I uh, I wanted to comment on uh, Morgan Steve. Yeah, go uh, ahead. Morgan Steve, you listen. TJ Finish has starting quarterback. 
Just watch the game. Let him do what he has to do. The coach made the decision. It's the coach's decision, not your decision. Yep, and we're excited to see T.J. Finley get to play quarterback. Yeah, and um, and a question uh, all you guys can all three of you guys can answer. All right, and then hey, we've got a baseball hey, reporter coming on the show, so it's got to be hey, brief. Hey, Give us hey, a question. Hey, what are you guys thinking about Auburn ranked number eleven? And then what do you think about the Arkansas State defense? A player for offer that Auburn got, and then the player that Auburn, the football player that uh, retired. Yeah, Nick Brahms walking away from football. He's definitely going to be missed on this Auburn football team, a big um, part of that offensive front for several, several years in a row. And so uh, that he's moving on is, is definitely sad to see for this Auburn football program. But uh, we'll, we'll still have other guys that could step up behind that in regards to recruiting. Auburn's always trying to make big-time impressions. So uh, good to hear from you today, Matt. Let's do the cheer, guys. Five, four, three, two, one. War Eagle. Eagle. Hey, <laughs> beat Bama. 48, 45, 63, 13. Booyah! Hey, hey, listen, what do you guys, uh, we're coming to your field. Nick said we got a second. And, hey, what do you guys think about Auburn ranked number 11? I saw they were ranked number 11 in football. What do you guys think about that? Pretty good stuff for the Auburn Tigers, and uh, we'll see how they can improve moving forward. Got to go, Matt. Thanks for the call today. Uh, Tell Cam, I said, hey, Warrior, All right, War Eagle. That's our buddy Matt from Tallahassee joining us there on the program. With that, we take a timeout. Sports Call continues in a moment. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Tiger 95.9 FM. The Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola tastes the feeling. All right. Welcome back into the show. J.J. Jackson alongside Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. And we are so honored to be able to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on our next guest, a friend of the program from the Washington Post. Chelsea Janes is with us. She covers Major League Baseball. We're entering the final stretch of the regular season, and Chelsea's with us now. Chelsea, thanks for the time as always. How are things going for you? Great. Yeah, excited to see where all this goes in September. We've got here. It's the final month of the year, uh, about 30 games or so left to go. Typically at this point of the season, and, and knowing how many years you've been covering Major League Baseball, how is morale from time to time for, for so many of these clubs? Are a lot of them just ready to get to the finish line, whether that be starting the postseason or, hey, let's just restart next season? Uh, is, it, is it tough to keep up morale at this point of the season for a lot of these clubs? I definitely so I remember one thing that, that Max Scherzer used to say during his Nationals days was that August was the the month of hate and September was the month of wait. And I think, you know, by August, everyone's sick of each other. And then September, you could see the finish line and 
you kind of know either the playoffs or, or vacation is coming, and I think that's pretty much where everyone is just kind of turning that corner into, okay, we're almost there. <laughs> what division race is most interesting to you as we get into this last stretch of the year? I think the Bats have had a lot of hype around them. The Braves are obviously defending champions have been right there, but sort of somehow under the radar. And I think that could get really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I also think that the Centrals are, are interesting. It looks like the Cardinals are going to be fine in, in the National League. The American League Central is sort of just a, a weird group of teams trying not to be second, you know, in that division. Like None of them seem particularly dominant, but, but those are the teams that might benefit from the wild card series and the new playoff format um, from the from the winning teams having to wait an extra few days in this new playoff format. So I'm kind of interested to see who comes out of those those weaker divisions because I think they could become you know real big spoilers in a, in a couple weeks. Let's stick with the National League Eastern Division. As you know, Atlanta, right in our backyard, uh, the closest team here to us on the Plains, and so the Braves, a team that we follow so closely. Uh, what do you think it's going to take for Atlanta to overcome the deficit right now uh, that the New York Mets have in the league lead there uh, as the Braves have won four straight division titles, trying to make it five in a row? What's it going to take for Atlanta to get that fifth title? Well, I think that they might need the Mets to, to stumble a little bit ahead of them, and frankly, I think that is a very real possibility. I mean, the Mets have been really good all year. They've sort of avoided major problems. So we sort of all know how fragile Jacob DeGrom is. We we know they've, they've got some veterans on that team. They're not sort of immune to injury. And, um, and you know, like they're playing in a division that has a lot of people that would like to beat them up down the stretch. So I think, you know, it, it, I think the Braves have kind of done a lot. They might get hot and, and take over. But, you know, I think it's sort of just as likely that, that you see the Mets um, – slide a little bit if only because they this particular group has not been in this position before Atlanta has over and over and they know how to sort of peak at the right time so I think that dynamic you know bodes well for people hoping for Atlanta to kind of make a run here you mentioned the Cardinals just a moment ago is starting to pull away there in the NL Central, and of course that's a, a team the Braves just saw uh, this past weekend. And I want to ask you about the Cardinals, not just the pull holes angle, but Paul Goldsmith trying to get a triple crown. It seems to me, Chelsea, because we we know that the Braves were not the best team in baseball last year, but they played like it at the very end in the last couple months. And I wonder, uh, we also saw that the Nationals a few, year, few years ago, and I wonder if we're maybe starting to see some of that take place with St. Louis because this Albert Pujols thing has gotten them so fired up. They have such great hitting, and all of a sudden the Cardinals this last month or so have really turned it on, and I just wonder what you think of, of, of the Cardinals and how hot they're getting right now. Yeah, I think They've kind of been, you know, on my radar all year as, as a group to sort of watch once he got to this point. It's only because, like you mentioned, the Pujols thing, there's a lot of sentimentality around Gallier Molina, around Adam Wainwright, and, you know, just kind of their whole vibe. But they've also got a lot of really good young talent that has a couple of major league years under its belt. Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, guys who have struggled at times this year, but who've been there before now. And I think... You know, they're a group that I think could really, you know, do some damage in October. They've got the veterans. They've got sort of, you know, the, the history they're trying to make. It's, it's a really compelling team, and, and they've been playing like it. Is there any chance, Chelsea, now going to the pull hole angle? He's at 694, I believe, now after last night. Say he finishes on 698 or 699, any chance we see him come back next year? Well, I think... 
going to be hard to look at six ninety nine for your whole life, but he seems pretty determined that, that this is going to be it. We'll see. I like I don't believe that until I until I see it. If he's that close, it just feels like a number that's super hard to pass up. But again, I mean, it's not like he needs it for the Hall of Fame. You know, he's set in so many ways in terms of his legacy. So, you know, maybe he won't care. But I know for me and and for a lot of you know people that are that good at at any sport, uh, looking at a number that's that close is is I think torturous for for that kind of competitor. So I'd be interested to see how he handles that. Looking over at the AL side, Chelsea, you want to look at that AL Central race. You got the Guardians in first, you got the Twins a game and a half back, and the White Sox are only five games back. How do you see that race shaping up as we go down the stretch here? You know, I think the White Sox are going to figure it out. They're, I think they were built to be better than they've been the last few years, and they just don't. They just somehow do not figure it out. You know, I like what the Twins have done. They've got a lot there, and I think the Guardians are just better than anyone ever thinks they are. They just are continually better than people think. And that might not mean they're great. It might not mean they are able to hold on to the division, but they are better than people think. And I think, you know, that they and the Twins um, are kind of exactly what you're talking about, those teams that get hot at the end. You know, like, one of those teams makes a run, suddenly sees itself win a division title, get in the playoffs. Like, they're going to have all the momentum in the world and, and sort of none of the expectations that weigh down everybody else. When you look at the uh, staying on the AL side, when you look at the postseason coming up, is this the Houston Astros pennant to lose? I think it is now. You know, the Yankees had that big stumble. I think they're fine. I think they'll be okay. But they've got a lot of guys that they're kind of waiting to have come back. I mean, the Astros just lost Verlander, so I don't know how long that'll take and how that'll affect them. But man, they're they're really good. I mean, they've been there year after year. There's sort of no doubt in what you're getting with those guys. And they're pitching better than ever. I mean, that, that rotation is, uh, is just quietly having an absolute monster year. So, you know, I think, I think they're really, really good, and we know that they can handle October, and that is not a given. Um, and, you know, I think, I think they're going to be around, and uh, they're going to have another shot at one if, if they stay healthy. And I wonder, Chelsea, why the Yankees have fallen off so much. Because we saw the first 60 or 70 games of the season, they were gangbusters. They were were starting to imagine, could they break a wins record uh, that's long been held from, I believe, Seattle. And they just look so good for a while, Aaron Judge playing out of his mind. And to be fair, Aaron Judge has continued to play really well all season long. He hit his 50th last night. So why have the Yankees gone so far south? It's a lot of injuries. People like to kind of shoo away injuries because everyone has them. But I think, like, on some level, they, they are just a worse team without a lot of the guys they were missing. Most of their bullpen has been hurt for a long stretch. If they get their closer back this week. But, um, yeah, they got hurt. Giancarlo Stanton got hurt, and that makes a big difference to everyone else because, you know, if, if you have Giancarlo Stanton behind Aaron Judge, then you, you, know, you have to think twice about walking Aaron Judge. And, and no matter who you have behind him, it's, it's not quite the same power threat. So, I think they're kind of getting everyone back into the swing of things, and uh, a lot of those injured guys are slowly trickling back, and I think they built enough of a lead that they'll be fine. But uh, you certainly don't look at them like you do the Astros and say, this is a sure thing. You know, we know what we're getting. You have no idea what these Yankees are going to be in October. Maybe great, but, uh, you know, if it's anything like we saw the last two weeks, then, you know, they're, they're not going to last. And Chelsea, we've, we've talked about what's happening in Major League Baseball as we come down the stretch here heading into September. I want to go down to the minor leagues because there's a lot going on down there off the field. I want you to talk about and, and give us a little insight of what's going on with the players' union trying to get the uh, the minor leagues unionized. Yeah, so, you know, I think 
five years ago or so, it would be kind of unfathomable that we'd be talking about the minor leagues unionizing. It was sort of a, a pipe dream, something that felt really hard to do because, you know, the owners control the minor leagues. The owners control what they pay minor league baseball players, and they would like those numbers to stay low. Um, they're going to be very anti-union, and it just never seems like something that could happen because a minor league player would say, I want to unionize, and you know, then their career is cut short by the owners who would rather they not do that. So, you know, there was a fear of retaliation that has sort of evaporated in the last few years as people have shamed the major leagues into you know, paying players more and giving them housing and just kind of improving the minor league life. And I think it, you know, the momentum got to a point that everyone involved in the groups that had spoken on behalf of minor league players said, you know, rather than waiting until we get a few guys who are interested, let's just see if we're ready now. Let's, you know, let's just do it. So they're polling the minor leaguers right now. If 30% of the players, which I think is about five, uh, I'm not going to try to do the math, maybe 5,400, um, if they, if they, if they want baseball players association to represent them, then they'll have a union and that will change everything because then they can collectively bargain for their salaries, for their working conditions, for all these things that the owners have controlled for years and, and been able to keep costs low. Those costs are going to jump if, if a union happens. And it'll be interesting to see what that does to the minor leagues and, and how owners handle it. Chelsea Janes is with us from the Washington Post. You can follow her on Twitter at Chelsea underscore Janes. If you will, before you leave, plug some of the recent stories that you've had there for the Washington Post. And, and where can people find that work? Chelsea underscore Janes on Twitter. Um, and some of the stories we wrote about the minor league thing this week, if you uh, would like to understand it better than I explained it. Um, you know, I think we've, we've had some stuff recently on, on Fernando Tatis getting suspended, things like that. So anything you see there, I think, is uh, probably worth a read. I hope, anyway. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for the time and for the visit. As always, it's fun to catch up, Chelsea. Be well. Thanks for the time today. That's Chelsea Janes joining us here on the program. We'll go ahead and we'll take our final timeout here of the hour on Sports Call. On the other side of this break, James from Montgomery will be a part of the program. That's coming up next here on Sports Call. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Now, back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan the Boy and Brooks Childress. Thanks again to Chelsea Janes of the Washington Post for joining us on Sports Call. To be a part of the program, call in 334 887 3401 or toll free at 1 Tiger 9. As we go to our phone lines, James from Montgomery. James has called in. Hi, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle, sir. Yeah, the first thing that I was going to talk about is do you think that Auburn is going to have a good chance of making it to the college football playoffs in Atlanta? Do you think, um, you know, with these cupcake games that we're going to have, the first one, do you think it's going to be a win for T.J. Finley or do you think somebody else might step up? 
TJ Finley's going to play really well against Mercer. I think he will have a good game, and I think the Sawbird team, you know, I always want to be optimistic. There are very, very long shots to make the college football playoff for the upcoming year, uh, but uh, I want to be optimistic like you, James. I think that'd be great to see them get to play in Atlanta. Yes, because I, I mean, you know, with the college playoffs like down the road in a few months from now, I'll probably see my four teams that, uh, that would make it to the college playoffs and my four teams I actually have going to Atlanta this year would be Michigan, Ohio State, Clemson, and Florida State. Oh, wow. Okay, so two Big Ten teams and two ACC teams. Yes, and then with the other two teams that are looking in, I have Oregon and Oregon State looking in to actually – uh, take the winner of the college football playoffs as well. Very optimistic about the Beavers. That's fun to hear. Yes, as well, because, I mean, it it should be, um, you know, those are my six teams that would uh, make it to the college playoffs because every year I look at, like, some of the uh, sports announcers they want to put in, Alabama, they want to put in Georgia, they want to put in uh, Clemson, and Ohio State, I've already seen those teams already played already. I want to see some new teams that haven't even got their chance to yeah. punch their ticket into Atlanta. Well, you put Clemson and Ohio State on the Atlanta uh, merger. You want to you want to switch those teams out because you've already seen Clemson and Ohio State play. Um, yeah, I sure would do that. I'll have to say, um, I would have to put Penn State. And I would have to say I'll put Penn State with Tulsa. With Tulsa. Wow. All right. Maybe you were going to say Iowa State, but you like Tulsa. Yes, that's well, because I do. Um, I did see them play in Montgomery years ago um, for the Camellia Bowl. And I actually, um, they actually took a picture, the Tulsa uh, fan um, like uh, it was like a few people of the band that took pictures with me, and they posted on their uh, on their on their Instagram as well. No way. Yes, yes, they actually did because when I I'm from Montgomery, and I always uh, tell a lot of uh, other universities that come to Montgomery to play for the. Uh, Camellia Bowl, if, if they want to come back, they're more than welcome to come back. And I always tell them, like, if they need something, you know, like if there's any good, uh, nice restaurants in downtown Montgomery. I know some of the cooks, they know me. I'm one like, I'm like the best um, person to ever, you know, put their, put their restaurant out there on the map as well. Yeah, James, would you like to see Tulsa or somebody else play like a game in Montgomery against someone like Bishop Sycamore? Um, we were thinking about uh, Bishop Sycamore because we haven't seen them play in Montgomery for a very, very long time. So we might we might get them, but I don't know for sure who we're going to get until uh, until the until like close up to the uh, Camellia Bowl season, yeah. so we won't we won't know until uh, 
until that time actually comes available. Got to wait and see because you've got Tulsa in the college football playoffs, so they won't be playing in the Camellia Bowl this year anyway. Give us one more thing, James, and then we've got to get to a uh, got to get to trivia with you. Well, I was looking at well with Tuesday in the NFL. Uh, the 53-man roster, I know they cut uh, Cooper Rush, so he is gone for the Dallas Cowboys. So that was uh, earlier this morning yeah. uh, with Mike McCarthy. So Mike McCarthy will be looking at some other quarterbacks from other teams as well. We might be looking at Jimmy Garoppolo from the uh, 49ers, so I don't know if the 49ers are going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo this year or they're going to actually trade him and we'll pick him up during the trade deadline as well. Well, you've got Dak Prescott at quarterback, so you should be pretty good to go there. And Cooper Rush was just one of the backups. So I think the Cowboys will be able to recover from this. Yeah, we're, we're actually going to recover from it because um, I didn't like what Cooper Rush did uh, when we were playing against the Chargers. Uh, not, not the Chargers, but the uh, Seahawks. I'm sorry. The Seahawks, he made a lot of mistakes, so we didn't need those mistakes as well. Yeah. So, I mean, with the season right around the corner, I mean, this is going to be a good. It's going to be a good season. And then on top of this, for the Dallas Cowboys and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this is going to be a classic, classic matchup and a rematch. So this one is going to be a little bit different because this is uh, this game actually falls right on the anniversary of September 11th of 2001 as well. So that's going to be, you know, that's going to be hard for me to, to, you know, keep a, a, a steady mindset while I'm watching the game as well. It'll be the 21st anniversary of, of 9-11. You're right about that. Last year's game was played in Tampa. This year's game will be played in Dallas. All right, let's give you uh, trivia. You wanted some video game trivia today. So, uh, Brooks, yes. Brooks, let's give James his first question. All right, James, you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, these are all going to be multiple choice. What year was Sonic the Hedgehog released? Was it 1994, 1992, 1991 or 1997 oh man i know this because me and my little sister we used to play this i know she's gonna i know she's gonna be mad at me for this one i think that would be 1991 that is correct 1991 very good james awesome job yes as well because i used to have a sonic the hedgehog uh, console, and I used to play it all the time as well. All right, you ready for your next one? Yes. All right, so which game console was Sonic the Hedgehog released on? Was it the Sony PlayStation, the Sega Genesis, the Sega Dreamcast, or the Nintendo GameCube? That will be the Sega Genesis. That's correct. All right, way to go. Two for two. All right, you ready? Last question. Yes. Who is the main villain in the Crash Bandicoot series? Is it Dr. Neo Cortex or is it Dingo Dial? Oh, man. I used to play this one. Oh, man. I think it's Dr. Cortex. That's correct. What do you remember about him? Uh, I mean, I used to play Crash Bandicoot and he was kind of. He was kind of a hard boss to actually beat, but I had some tricks up my sleeve when I used to play 
uh, Crash Bandicoot. I had some I had some good uh, tricks to actually beat him and his little uh, alligator friend that he always had. That's what it takes. It takes some tricks from time to time. Well, James, it was great chatting with you today. You put a smile on our face, and we look forward to ch- uh, chatting with you soon, okay? All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That's our good buddy James from Montgomery joining us on Sports Call, and it brings the first hour of our show to a close. Alongside Ryan the Boy and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. You're listening to the Abbey Award-winning sports talk show in the state of Alabama. This is Sports Call. One hour of the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. We hope that everyone is doing well on this Tuesday game week for the Auburn football team as they will take on Mercer on Saturday from inside Jordan-Hare Stadium, right here, Tiger Communications. Proud to be your home for the Auburn Sports Network as we will go on the air with the Tiger Tailgate Show, 3 o'clock, kickoff set for 6. Listen to all the action on your radio dial, FM Talk 93.9, or if you're on the go, if you're traveling and you want to listen to Andy Burcham and Stan White on the call, which you should want to do that, then download the Tiger Communications app and you can listen to the game on the go wherever you are. Again, my co-host in studio today are Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, and we are always taking your phone calls 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 Joining us on the program now, Terry from Auburn. Terry from Auburn, formerly from Talladega, joining us here on Sports Call. Hi, Terry. JJ, how you doing? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Hey, Brooks and Ryan, how y'all doing? Great. How are doing you doing, well. Terry? Doing, doing well. Ryan, I'm kind of with you on that Penn State pick. Do people have a short memory? Do they remember they made the, the quarterback at Penn State last year look like a Heisman candidate? Yeah, Clifford, uh, Clifford threw it all over the place. I can't exact numbers, but they were good. Yeah, Clifford had some games last year where he was uh, he was quite good, and Auburn was one of them. Yeah, they, I just think people forget that, and, and, and quite honestly, J.J., I mean, it, there's, Auburn made a lot of mistakes, I'll give you that. But but uh, and, and a lot of the, the guys that contributed are no longer with the team. But he really he really made Auburn's defense look bad. Well, and and if I remember correctly, Terry, I want to say that Penn State last year 
Um, and, and Brooks just pulled up. Clifford was 28 of 32, 282, two touchdowns and a pick. But I want to say Penn State started about 5-0 and last year, and then Clifford, I think, got hurt and missed some time, and that, and then he came back and, and wasn't 100%, maybe missed a game or two, something like that. So, that yeah, Clifford, Clifford is clearly better than whatever Auburn's going to have out there at, at quarterback. Daffy Duck would be better than what Auburn has out there. Whoa. The quarterback thing has been discussed at nauseum. It's best just to let that play out. And people are going to get what they're going to get, and they're going to see that, that, that everything is as is. And Brian Arson's a joke, and we all know that. So we'll, see, we'll it'll all work itself out. But I want to talk about the offensive line because that's where it all starts and finishes. I used to always make the comparison what if Barry Sanders could have ran behind the Dallas Cowboys offensive line? What kind of numbers would he have put up? Because he was putting up astonishing numbers behind a terrible offensive line. Right. Give him a better so, line, and yeah, he's he's still running probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Barry Sanders was incredible. Then not take anything away from him. Smith, he was very good. But um, and a great offensive line can make an average running back look good. A, a, a great running back can make an average offensive line look bad. Look good. Well, excuse me. I'm sorry. Look good. So, I mean, uh, he had some good players in Detroit, but he never he never had the kind of talent Dallas had. That's right. And he sure never he never come he sure never come close to winning a ring. So, and I think that's the reason Barry Sanders walked away from the game. But as far as Auburn's offensive line goes, guys, um, it's a bunch of senior. Now, I realize the Nick Brom thing is 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 a bad blow. But what about this guy that's taking his place? I mean, here he's. Uh, somebody said the other day, 285. Is he 285? I mean, I never thought I'd live to the day. He said 285 guy maybe too small. Yeah, he, he was listed at 285, and Brian Harson was asked directly about that and said, don't get it twisted. Tate Johnson's really strong, and this is an Auburn unit that will continue to lift throughout the season. Uh, but, yeah, he is listed at 285. Wow. See, I, I, I mean, that, that, that unit has got to perform. People forget the offensive line has got to perform as one unit. Doesn't matter how good one guy is or another guy is. Everybody's got to work together. Yeah, they got to work together, and and you know the, the successful seasons Auburn's had. I mean, thirteen, of course, but I mean, Greg Robinson made a lot of guys look good, <laughs> so he was just that good. Right. So um, that that's the key. That's the real key. As far as the running back um, rotation, when the death charge came out, I know he was first team Tank Bigsby, but Jacquez Hunter was second team, right? That's right. And who's third team? They, it was only too deep that was listed. So, um, you know, you okay. didn't officially see Zach Calzada listed as the third-team quarterback. Again, it was too deep at every single position. Well, have you guys given an opinion who you think the, the surprise player of the year is going to be? Uh, we, we've, I mean, months ago in June when we were kind of speculating on who those could be, we kind of picked one on both the offensive and, and defensive side of the football, and I don't even remember who I said all those months ago. You got a name in mind, Terry? Not really. I just just got to be somebody. I mean, I I've heard a lot about the uh, wide receiver Brown. I think his name is Camden Brown, the f- true freshman. Yeah, he's a, he's yeah. a big time player for sure. So I would be surprised if he stood up for sure. The guy that I would like to see personally is Landon King. Yeah, because I think he presents massive mismatches. Right, and he's a big guy. And I think he's he's he reminds me a lot of Ed McCaffrey. I remember Ed McCaffrey playing for the Broncos. Yeah, big guy. He just presented matchup problems because he was six five two fifty. Right, and in, in my day. He was a tight end. Right. <laughs> now they're just big wide receivers. So he's a guy I think that, that could be a, a very prominent part and of And now offense. his son's one of the best running backs in the entire NFL. That, now that makes you feel old right there. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, when I went, I, I came down here to Terry, Auburn. I'll say all three of us, we don't recall Ed McCaffrey playing. We're, we're very aware of Christian McCaffrey on the yeah. football field uh, as he's closer to our age than Ed is. Well, I forget that I'm quite a bit older than you guys. Yeah. So, you know, I forget we're that. We're all 26, sometimes. yeah. I like, I like to forget it, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, um, my sister and I came down here a couple years ago. Remember when my alma mater, Pinson Valley High School, played in the state championship? That's right. Nix was a quarterback. That's right. Well, I, I attended Pinson Valley High School up in Birmingham. And I remember turning to my sister and I said, I wonder how many of these guys I might have played with their daddies. And she said, and granddaddies. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, there was left, left, what was left of my ego. Right. <laughs> you were feeling great until she made that comment. Yeah. yeah. So. I just I like. I mean, I played on the very first team in state playoff history at Pinson Valley. Oh wow! And so we were the first team to go to state playoffs. Now we got killed, but but um, hey, you know we were the first team to do it. Are you Nobody still following Pinson away. Valley? To a degree, to a degree. I don't I don't get a chance to follow them. You know that much. Yeah, yeah. I know they've been really good for a while. Right. They won just, a, I think three state championships. Now that uh, Patrick Nix isn't there anymore, I hadn't seen what they were up to lately. Well, they have a pretty solid program. They won a state championship a couple of years ago with right. uh, with the other quarterback. Um, I, can't, I can't remember his, his name. But I started following him the more uh, when Zach Cunningham left Pinson Valley. People forget about him. Right. Went on to he Vanderbilt. Right. Vanderbilt. And, and uh, we know he knew he, he scored about a 30 on the ACT or so, I think. So <laughs> you know, that, that makes sense. That, that's, that's probably slumbing for Vanderbilt. Exactly. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so. But we'll see, guys. That, hey, hey, it's here, and that's that's where guys sure. finally. I'll be listening into the station at the games on Saturday, and then it's uh, it's going to be great. It is, Terry. Thanks Take, for the call today. Sure. Take right. care, guys. That's uh, Terry from Auburn, formerly from Talladega, joining us here on the program, talking about the upcoming Auburn football season. Some under the radar names to be on the lookout for. I definitely think that. Camden Brown is somebody to be aware of in that wide receiver room. He's gotten a lot of praise throughout fall camp. He's going to factor in for this Auburn football team for sure, and I'm really excited to see him out there on the field. I'm excited to see some of those young D-backs kind of take that next step now that Roger McCreary has gone off to the NFL, now that Smoke Monday is not occupying one of the safety spots. I do think we'll see some some newer names with this Auburn football team that's going to make some plays here as we get going in the uh, 2022 season, guys. Yeah, I think on offense, well, I okay, let, let me say, I don't know if I'm married to one particular guy right now uh, as far as a breakout player, but I would, I would think if you want Auburn to have, um, I don't want to say the best season possible, but if you want to be reassured about what appears to be Auburn's biggest weakness by far, I think you want the breakout player to be a wide receiver. And I don't know who that is. I yeah. don't know if that's just Shed Jackson getting better. Um, as Terry said, he said, uh, what, Cam- Camden Brown. Camden Brown. Uh, a lot of people really love Coy Moore. Uh, I was a little surprised to see Javarius Johnson not as a starter. Uh, did not win the starting job there uh, at that uh, wide receiver position. So, I, I think, you know, I don't know which one uh, because I, I just personally – you know, I think Coy Moore might be the most attractive one just because he has, you know, some time at LSU, and even though it's very small production, he's at least seen the field. But you know, I don't know. I, I think that that it's hard to pinpoint which one will ultimately be favored. And by the way, I, I would be curious to see if, depending on who the quarterback was in practice, if one guy worked better with another guy. You, you see what I'm saying? So, like, if maybe. 
someone like Camden Brown worked really well with TJ Finley, but then Coy Moore was always like really hooked up with Zach Calzada or sure. Robbie Ashford or, or something like that. Because sometimes some quarterback wide receiver combinations are better or worse depending on well who the or some wide receivers I should say sometimes better. Yeah. have better rapport exactly with with other quarterbacks. So um, that that might be some of it too. Is one guy might come out of it just being a favorite target of TJ Finley that maybe would not have been a favorite target of Calzada or Ashford. Coming up this hour, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer will be on Sports Call. We also got to get you set for the NFL season as uh, we're just over a week away from that. Division previews continue here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Uh, Before we do anything else, though... It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Thank you, Zeus. Let's celebrate some birthdays in sports. Steve told us one a little bit earlier, but how about Tank Bigsby, the Auburn running back? Tank is 21 years old today. Happy birthday, Tank. We hope that you find the end zone a lot this upcoming season. Sean Alexander is 45 years old today, the former NFL running back. As a senior in high school, Alexander was named Mr. Football for the state of Kentucky in 1994, and his high school retired his number upon his graduation. Over three years as a varsity player, he rushed for 6,657 yards and 110 touchdowns, both top 10 high school records. He signed with Alabama, where he was a one-time All-American, one-time SEC Player of the Year, drafted 19th overall by the Seahawks in 2000 and played for eight years in that short career a three-time pro bowler one-time all-pro one-time NFL rushing yards leader and twice was the NFL touchdowns leader one-time offensive player of the year and a one-time MVP Sean Alexander 45 years old today happy birthday he was one of the first big running backs when I got into the NFL that he was with the Seahawks and I remember being a real big fan of him and then you know as like an eight-year-old you re- i re- remember finding out he went to alabama and i was like oh and, <laughs> you know when right. you're a little kid you're just really gung-ho about your whatever, yeah. your college you are now you know you said hey sean alexander's on your team went to alabama I'm like all right cool yeah we've got uh Dwayne brown 37 years old an offensive tackle for the new york jets Brown played tight end at Virginia Tech for a year and then moved to tackle as a sophomore. As a senior, he was named ACC Offensive Lineman of the Year, taken 28th overall in the 2008 draft by the Texans. And in 2011, his fourth year as a starter, he allowed zero sacks and committed zero penalties. Is that good, Brooks? That is uh, pretty good. That's what you look for at the offensive line spot. Five-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, Dwayne Brown, 37 years old. Robert Parrish is 69 former NBA center, most famously with the Boston Celtics. Robert Parrish attended Centenary College of Louisiana. Let's go, gentlemen. Where he averaged 22 points and 17 rebounds over four years. Drafted by the Warriors, 18th overall in the 1976 NBA draft and was traded to the Celtics in 1980. He would spend the bulk of his career there. A nine-time All-Star, four-time champion. His number double zero is retired by the Celtics and he is a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. Robert Parrish is 69 years old today. Isn't it fun to think about jersey numbers in sports? Like Robert Parrish, number double zero, retired by the Boston Celtics. But if someone went to the Celtics and said, I want to be number zero, they would still be able to wear that jersey. Like Jason Tatum. That's always fun. Like Jason Tatum. Mm. You know, the Portland Trailblazers had Carmelo Anthony wearing double zero, and Dame Lillard wearing zero on yeah. the same team on the floor at the same time. Hey, it's different. 
It, zeros are different. Yeah. That's my big I mean, takeaway. But hey, yeah, Parrish had a very nice career for sure. Nine-time All-Star, four-time champion, Robert Parrish, 69 years old today. Do you think I could go and say I want number 01 instead of just 101? <laughs> I wouldn't allow it. You wouldn't allow it? Yeah, that'd be ugly. Okay. Uh, Adam Wainwright is 41 years old today, a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. Wainwright was born in Brunswick, Georgia, and was drafted by the Braves 29th overall in the year 2000. Traded to the Cardinals in 2003 and made his Major League debut in 2005. A mainstay in the Cardinals rotation ever since. Three-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover, one-time Silver Slugger, one-time Roberto Clemente Award winner, and a one-time World Series champion. Adam Wainwright celebrating his 41st birthday today. Happy birthday to you, sir. That's one of those guys that you look back and you're like, man, he was in our organization as a Brave. He could have been a Brave all this time. And traded him away before he made the before he made the majors. Birthdays in sports here today on August thirtieth, twenty twenty two. Sean Alexander, Dwayne Brown, Robert Pierce, Adam Wainwright, Tank Bigsby, all celebrating their birthdays today. We've got to take a timeout. Sports call continues in a moment. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Ryan LaVoy. Justin Ferguson set to join us here in just a few moments. We'll take one more timeout before that happens. The Braves are back in action tonight. And uh, look, this is what we're talking about. It's an Atlanta team taking on Colorado back at home from Truist Park. The month of August is almost over. We're about to enter the final full month of the regular season in September, our Sports Call August monthly predictions are winding down. We predicted what Brave starter would throw the most innings in the month. We've predicted the total number of home runs by the Braves, 34 and counting so far in the month of August. I was near 70, I think. Way more optimistic that the Bats would continue to put in some work for Atlanta. But guys, talking Braves here for a few moments. Two games in the month here to close it out against the Colorado Rockies uh, before we turn the calendar over to September and on to the next month. Do you want me to hot tank you here for a couple of minutes? You do your thing. If you're not going to release Marcelo Zuna, then you should be playing Marcelo Zuna. Period. The guys they're rolling out there right now, talking specifically about Eddie Rosario and Robbie Grossman, are not help more helpful than Marcelo Zuna is. And I think there's this misconception because Azuna's had a low batting average. They just had this awful year, and there's nothing redeeming about it. He's hit 20 home runs. And at the time of his benching, he was on pace for 30. And so I know the run production was not what Adam Duvall's last, last year was. But remember about Adam Duvall's 2021 season, that, yes, again, the RBIs is where he wins over here. But Adam Duvall did not hit for some incredible average last year. Adam Duvall hit 226 last year. 
But what set him apart, obviously, was his run production. So you have a guy in Marcel Azuna who this year is hitting two thirteen, and again was hitting above that before the, the, the benching, and had 20 home runs, 46 RBIs. Would have been on – was on like 30 homer, 75, 80 RBI pace. And – this misconception is is that like Robbie Grossman and Mar- and uh, and Eddie Rosario are just having this this incredible impact and in, in playing better than Ozuna. No, they're not. You obviously having Ozuna in the field is not worth it. But anytime either one of these guys DHs, look, Robbie Grossman's hitting two twenty six with two home runs as Brave. Like why why is that so special? Why is everyone so enchanted by what Robbie Grossman's doing? And then Eddie Rosario, who obviously had the the sight issues, uh, which are very regrettable at the beginning of the season, he's now got a hundred and seventy nine at bats in the year. That's basically a third of a season. He's played in fifty seven games. He's still hitting one ninety. And I don't care what it looks like, it's still one ninety. And so, with again with four home runs, so it's not like you're hitting a bunch of home runs. So, if you if you are of the opinion Marcelo Zuna should be released, DFA'd, whatever, that's great. You should have already done that. You're just wasting a roster spot and not putting your best lineup out there when you don't put a Zuna out there. Again, I don't care what the batting average is because Rosario and Grossman are hitting the same or worse than Azuna with far less power. So I know this is not the direction you expected me to go, but I, I I've it. been holding on to that for a few days because every single time they, they batted Guillermo Heredia the other night and Heredia is a good defender. Sure. He's hitting 120. The pitchers in the league could hit that if sure. not better. So again, just release him if you're going to end up releasing him. If you're gonna keep him on this roster though, play him through September. Put him as the DH. Put him in the lineup. Um, so uh, that's what I don't. No one's really talking about that because everyone hates Ozuna so much for the person he is. He's not a good person. I agree with you there. But if you're gonna field him on the team, put him in the lineup. So. Um, other than that, Braves still trying to hang in there. The Mets, we know, are going to have an easy portion of their schedule here. The Braves are just trying to get this thing to the end of the year where that three-game series in Atlanta at the end of September is going to matter a lot. So they, they've just got to keep uh, hanging in there and and try and keep this to two or three games by the time they play that Mets series. Noah Cunha in the lineup for the Atlanta Braves today for the third straight game. A lot of folks expected him to be back after an off-day Sunday and after consecutive games missed against the Cardinals. But Ronald Acuna Jr. still out against the Rockies later tonight. Let's take a timeout. Justin Ferguson joins us after this on Sports Call. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
all of our Sports Call callers and guests. Join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. You can give us a call to join the show, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn Bank, our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. We use that Sports Call phone line to chat with all of our great guests as well. I'm J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, and we're excited to go to the phone lines and chat with our good buddy Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer back with us here on the show. Ferg, the time is greatly appreciated. How's your Tuesday going? It's game week, my friend. Yeah, going well. Uh, about time to actually have some football to talk about. It's finally here. I would also like the records to uh, indicate that your absence over the last few weeks has not been because of me. It also hasn't been because of you, but because you've had the opportunity to be at some Auburn football practices. Yeah, you get a pass this time. <laughs> what was it like being able to be there at, at fall camp as frequently as you guys were this year, for to to really get a better gauge of, of what this team might look like? Yeah, no, I, it was... It's, it has been great. Um, the access has been phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I think the proof was yesterday. Um, the depth chart comes out, and like, there's really not any huge surprises. And that's because what we saw in camp and what we got to report and share to the people who read and listen to us is, you know, is what's real. It is what happened. So, I mean, you only get that from being out there a ton. You only get that from having the access that we've had. Um, so, it's, it's been beneficial. I feel like Auburn fans. If you've been paying attention here during the month of August, you've gotten a lot smarter about this football team um, because uh, of the access that uh, that Auburn has given us. Um, you know, so uh, it should should make for uh, should make for uh, it, it definitely made for a better August, and I will say it should make for a better start of the season as well. It puts to bed also a, a quarterback discussion that's been had forever, uh, as TJ right. Finley is the starting quarterback. Talk to us about this. Yeah, so T.J. Finley getting the starting quarterback job uh, for for uh, Auburn is not a surprise at all. I think anybody who's watched, um, and even Brian Harson and T.J. Finley said that yesterday, anybody who's watched this the last few weeks knew that it was going to happen. I mean, I know everybody wanted a formal announcement, but, like, you know, it was, it was pretty obvious at this point. Um, you know, Finley was just the best option. Uh, I think um, you got into fall camp. Um, he was the guy who was taking the first reps early, and he never did anything to kind of relinquish that. I think he's stepped up his game uh, in terms of his confidence level. Um, I think uh, I think you know he's playing lighter. I think he's running a little bit better this year. Still have questions about his accuracy. Still have questions about like what it looks like against top level competition. Uh, but he's talked a lot about his mental growth uh, and just kind of all the intangible stuff that you need to play quarterback at this level. So uh, I think Auburn fans are going to see um, kind of a quicker reacting T.J. Finley. I think they're going to see uh, a T.J. Finley more willing to move around um, than he did last year. And I think you're going to see a more confident T.J. Finley um, because, you know, mentally um, it's a lot different coming into a season where you are um, the guy at quarterback, then you're the emergency guy, and you're kind of like the last hope, which he had been for the last two years. So we'll see how much that translates into wins and losses. We'll see how much that translates into like actual d- development and growth in terms of his stats uh, on the field. But, um, you know, Finley, uh, Finley earned this, man. Like, this is, this is not handed to him by any means. Auburn went out and got two transfers to compete 
against him, and he beat both of them. So I mean, it's, it, that shows you kind of what um, you know he's what he brought to the table this, this this fall camp. The person snapping the football, the TJ Finley, however, will be someone uh, this off season we did not anticipate as Nick Brahms uh, is opting to uh, retire from football. Ferg, how surprised were you of that move? And then, what does Auburn have in a in a center position now that will be led by Tate Johnson? Yeah, no, not surprised at all. This is where this was headed for the last few weeks. We have not seen Nick Brahms practice. I had heard a few weeks ago uh, from from somebody uh, who who was you know pretty well well sourced in this was that you know the the move was probably going to be that he's going to retire and Auburn had their plans to get Tate Johnson going um, you know really around since the first scrimmage. So this did not come as a surprise at all uh, to. To me and to a lot of people, I think it's just, you know, you guys know being out there at practice sometimes, um, what we can report on, what we can't report on, all that in exchange for all this access we're getting. Um, so might have come as a surprise to a lot of people, you know, um, a lot of fans, but I think those of us kind of could see the writing on the wall there because it just it wasn't looking good for Brahms. He hadn't, hadn't practiced in quite some time. But brutal end to a career, a long career uh, at Auburn. And uh, I know Nick. Uh, I've, I've known Nick for a very long time now, um, all the way back to when he was a high school senior. And, uh, you know, it's a tough way to end it, but uh, I know he'll continue to help out the team this year, and that'll be good. And for Tate Johnson, um, welcome to the big leagues, kid. This is going to be, uh, this is gonna be quite, a, quite a challenge. Uh, you know, there's no other way to put it. The guy who has only played a little bit of mop-up duty two years ago did not play last year. Now you're going to have to play the, be the starting center for an SEC football team. Um, I think Tate Johnson's progress this offseason has been good. Um, he has been somebody they've been talking about for quite some time now is taking a massive step forward. But there's a lot of ins and outs of playing center that goes beyond just blocking like a guard or a tackle would. Um, and so he's going to have to learn that and adjust to it pretty quickly. I think it's going to be very helpful. Auburn's playing Mercer and San Jose State the first two weeks of the season instead of like Penn State. I do wonder if Auburn had a better week one opponent um maybe they would have shuffled some guys around um but the best case scenario for them is that Tate johnson is not only a guy who can work his way into that center role to, and make it his own but can be your center for at least 2023 and beyond um because you know there's a lot coming with this offensive line with the amount of seniors they have on it so um it's gonna be t- it's gonna be a tough situation for him to step into but his teammates and his coaches sound confident and like I said, I think it's going to help out that your first two games of the year are at home against teams you have a pretty good talent uh, advantage over, and we'll see how, how, how he's able to work into that. Justin, I want to go back to that. Uh, T.J. Finley staying the starting quarterback. You got uh, guys the media got to hear from him yesterday, kind of unexpected to get to hear from him yesterday. Yeah. But what were your takeaways from what he's had to say at the podium? Uh, very honest and very confident. I think those are two things you can say about T.J. Finley. Um, he said point blank, I was not ready to be the starter last year, and I had to do a lot this offseason to make sure I could be that. Um, getting ready physically, getting ready mentally, talking about the challenges and the struggles he had mentally uh, with that, which I thought was you know, not only not only very honest, but very brave of him, uh, for, for a guy to be as open as he was uh, about some of those issues, um, I, I think is, is very commendable uh, for T.J., but yeah, I mean, I thought he talked with a lot of confidence. I mean, he felt like a guy that um, knows he's ready for the spotlight. He's ready to step into this role, and he feels like he's done what, t- what it takes to be successful in this role. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I was really impressed by him. I, I, I really was. I, you know, TJ, the few times we got to talk to him last year, I thought it was a great interview. Um, he's really, really good uh, at the podium. Uh, but yesterday you could just tell something different in that confidence level. And, look, I mean, we'll see how much better he is. We'll see how, how, much, how improved he actually is. But, like, square one is just being confident and, and you know, having that. If you're not confident, it's going to be hard to be a winning quarterback in this league. Um, so I, I think he definitely, uh, you know, put out that air uh, yesterday, and, and, and it's and it's genuine. I don't think he's you know blowing smoke either. I think he he thinks he's ready for this job, and uh, I think his teammates think so as well. And then Justin, you mentioned it earlier. Not a lot of surprises when it came to the two deep depth chart that was released yesterday by Brian Harson and the coaching staff. But one of those uh, areas of concern for going into the season has been the wide receivers. We've talked about it a lot. What were your takeaways from how that two deep uh, depth chart shook out with the wide receiver position? Not surprising. Those are the six wide receivers you've seen and heard about the most in uh, this off season, this preseason. Um, you know, I think all six of them are going to have to be used. I think they're going to be pretty interchangeable. The ones and twos at each of those spots. I think Landon King's going to be a guy who's going to get in that mix as well. He's just kind of this other, like his own type of position. You know, he is a slot receiver, but he's quite uh, larger than uh, you know Javarius Johnson and Malcolm. Jones, I mean, and uh, Tavares Dawson Jr. Um, so he's going to be kind of in his own little sphere. But um, no, not surprised at all. I think. You know, the one position group that I think Auburn fans should feel a little bit better about right now than they probably were earlier in this offseason is wide receiver. I think the emergence of Camden Brown, the development of Travars Dawson, um, I think the, the consistency of a guy like Malcolm Johnson Jr., I think bringing in somebody like Corey Moore uh, really, really helps out. The fact that you bring Javarius Johnson back and then Shedrick Jackson as well. Um, you're, you know, you could use more. You could use the Xavion Capers. We talked about Landon. You can use an Omari Kelly or somebody like that to step up as well, and there'll be time to figure all that out. But I think there's more depth and there's more confidence in the depth at the wide receiver position heading into the year for Auburn um, than there has been in a while. Even though it's not a ton of experience, people are excited about this group, and I think they should be. Um, you know, I think I kill your being an NFL guy has come in and made an instant impact on this position. You've seen it in recruiting as well. He's been a great hire for Auburn. I think Auburn fans will be able to see it early on that there is something different. They might not be at Alabama or LSU or Ohio State a wide receiver this year. Um, it's a long, long way to go before you can consider this a, a great or an elite group. Um, but, you know, I think they are definitely taking a step in the right direction. How can one support the Auburn Observer? Well, you can subscribe. You can pay money. And, That's a good uh, way to and, do it. And, and, and uh, you know, help me. I'll be paying my bills. Uh, yeah, no, you can you can subscribe at auburnobserver.com. It's $6 a month or $60 a year. You can get a free trial also if you want to check us out for seven days. It's be a good week to do it just to see what a game week's like uh, for us. So we got a ton of stuff. Um, there's been a, let's see, today, yesterday and today, we've had both a newsletter and a podcast come out. Uh, we'll have another newsletter tomorrow. Um, we'll have another podcast and a newsletter combo on Thursday, um, mailbag on Friday, game coverage this weekend, uh, you know, recap podcast, preview podcast. We got a ton of stuff coming out uh, since it is um, you know football season. So AuburnObserver.com, sign up there and check us out. And everything we do gets emailed to your inbox. It is a newsletter, so you can read and listen to our stuff on your own time. You don't have to you know go to a website or click on a Twitter link or anything like that. Once you're in, you're in. Was uh, was ownership at the Auburn Observer pleased with the special deal that you ran during fall camp? 
It was it was pretty good. It, it was pretty good. Awesome. I, I have to say, we had a we had um, we had a stretch. You know, honestly, in the summer, where you know, people kind of log off. You know, especially those who are on monthly subscriptions, say, "Hey, we'll pick back up later in the year." Or, you know, we'll be back at some point, um, just because there just isn't as much going on. Um, but you know, again, again, I'll point back to the amount of access we got during fall camp. We were putting out so much stuff right. this last month. Um, that really just drove a ton of subscriptions back. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing well. We've got a great, um, you know, great subscriber base. We're always looking to add more on. And, uh, yeah, Thursday's uh, the anniversary. Uh, year three starts on Thursday. So, um, you know, it's pretty, pretty remarkable that we've made it this far. And we're going to keep on pushing because uh, it's been a whole lot of fun. And I like to think these Tuesday conversations uh, help business out a good bit. So sure. I'm always grateful that uh, you take the time to join us, Ferg. I got to get a prediction from you, though. Who finds the end zone first for Auburn football this season? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, after watching, uh, or actually not really watching, after looking it up, some stuff on Mercer's defense and kind of looking ahead, you know, I, I think. I think Auburn's going to be able to run the ball against Mercer. I think they're just going to be bigger in the trenches. Yeah, Mercer's, Mercer's run defense has been pretty feisty for an FCS team, uh, but their pass defense, that's where Alabama really launched on them last year. In their, I think that was a week two game for Bama last year against Mercer. Um, so I'm going to say the first touchdown of the season for Auburn is going to be through the air, and I'll say it'll be a touchdown pass from T.J. Finley to – Hmm. You know what? I, I'm kind of I'm kind of leaning. I'm, I'm I've, I've been leaning to, towards a couple of guys this year. Anyone who's listened to me know knows that Tavares Dawson's like my my like breakout pick of the year. Uh, but I'm going to go with Malcolm Johnson Jr. I think he's got the speed to burn him. Um, and you know I wouldn't be surprised to see Auburn kind of soften up that Mercer defense, take a shot, and see if they see if anybody at Mercer can stay in front of uh, of Malcolm Johnson. So. The prediction Finley to Malcolm Johnson Jr., which means it's going to be a touchdown run from Tank Bigsby. Lock it. Tank Bigsby feels like the safe bet, and uh, you know it is the safe bet. It is the safe bet. Um, But yeah, Mercer's Mercer when Mercer's defense, you know, these last couple of seasons when they have had issues, they have gotten torn up through the air, and I think Auburn would love to come out and make a statement with these wide receivers and with T.J. Finley, um, so that would be something to keep an eye on. You mentioned three years of celebrating the Auburn Observer. We're going on six years straight trying to predict who scores the first touchdown of the season, and I don't know that I've ever gotten it right. Put out the last 20 years earlier on Twitter, only once has it been a defensive guy, uh, so mm-hmm. you know you could, you could be bold and go off the wall, but I like the Malcolm Johnson Jr. pick. Yeah, I just, I mean, I think, I think he's, he's gotten talked up so much by Brian Harson and the staff this offseason. He's been consistently, um, you know, mentioned. And yeah, I just, you know, speed. I think speed kills, especially on the outside. And, um, you know, I'm playing a little bit of the matchup here with Mercer. Love it. Love it. Ferg, thanks for the time. As always, always fun to uh, catch up with you. The Thunder Chicken season is over, so uh, it's our first Tuesday without having that in our lives in quite some time, but it means football season is here, my friend. Yeah, and also, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i pleased. The one goal I had for you guys this season, y'all accomplished it. I know we did. You came close to a win, and I know that's brutal. That's heartbreaking, but you did accomplish the the one thing, so... I'm all about setting realistic goals, and as a fan of this team, I'll <laughs> walk. next year we push for the first win. That's that's 
that's steady progress. Cluck up, my friend. Ferg, the time is always amazing. Thank you for joining us today, buddy. Yeah, see you guys. All right, that's Justin Ferguson joining us on the program. He did give us that goal, and we delivered, gentlemen. We delivered. Uh, it hurt, though. It hurts. It, hurt. it really hurts. It was, it was great to be in a close game like that, but that one's... If we don't ever win a game, like if for some reason we don't play next year, we don't win next year, that's that's going to register in our minds for a while. Just saying. Are you hurt, Brooks? I don't know if delivered is the right term because it, he gave us that uh, that prediction all year long. We finally we, got it done. We finally checked it off the box. Yeah. We had a lead in a playoff game. We did, and then it went downhill quickly. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Well, uh, the We're season's the over. Year. We're on to next year. Hey. 2023 champs coming at you. Hitting the weight room tonight? I need to. Hitting the weight room tonight? Yeah, maybe Taco <laughs> Bell. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment, wrapping up hour number two after this on Sports Call. Follow us on tweeters. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. back on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. My name is JJ Jackson with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. We hope that you're doing well on this Thursday. Our thanks again. It's not Thursday. It's I mean, Tuesday. I was about to say, that, <laughs> that's a long way off. Wow. I yeah. could see if you said, you know. Game day for UAB, baby. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, college football's tonight. Thursday is September 1st. I'm looking at September and it just threw me off. We're gonna get there soon, though. Don't you worry. Yeah. I have it on good authority. I, JJ, here's I got great news. We've got less than 36 hours of the month of August left, so we're getting pretty close. I want to ask you guys a question that oh, I no. saw on uh-huh. Answer the Internet. Oh no. So, if you could have any stat available for you for your life. What would that be? Like me personally? You personally. Oh, that's so easy. How many chicken wings consumed? Ooh. A lot of people go that direction. How many something alcoholic beverages? How many things have I, you know, hours of sleep? Uh, I mean, I've had weeks where I've had chicken wings four or five meals in a week, so... There's always be been one for incredible. me with, with certain people. I would love to know the total amount of time I've talked to them on the phone before. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought of that because I just made a mistake. Uh-huh. Okay. And in May of 2018, uh-huh. I took over as the full-time host of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. And if I could have a stat available for my talking accuracy while sitting in this chair, uh-huh. I would be fascinated to see. Like the word you intended to say right. versus if you said it. Right. If, someone, if there was a way to, you know, if my brain could give me that stat. I don't think that would be as exciting as you think it would be because, I mean... I'm tough on myself. Yeah, but I mean, I you probably say 99% of words correctly. Okay, well, I hope so. Like like seriously, I mean, think about it. Just in this segment you've said 100 words. Have you made any any words wrong? Just the wrong? one. 
when so I said Thursday instead of Tuesday. Yeah, one out of one hundred. Okay, all right. I'm t- I'm telling you so that you, that chicken one, wings is every, the correct answer. To everybody that on here would be like between ninety eight and ninety nine point five percent. Right. That would not be there. There would not be a high variance in that. You Brooks, would, any stat available about your life? What would you want it to be? Unique people met. How That's, many different? How many different people met? I've met in my life? Oh, I thought you meant like a you, like unique people. Like how many I judge to be unique? Oh no 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 yeah like you're talking about how many, how many different, different people okay. I have met yeah. in my life what? because you know you, there's that stat somewhere out there where the human brain can only remember so many faces yeah and after that you know you, you kind of oh, kind of really? replaces people and so like I would like to know from the time I was born to this point or going forward how many unique people I have met yeah. What do you? What does met mean? Like talk to them, like shook and face to face. Yeah, not via just a phone. And call it could be just one time in passing. Yeah, I think I'd like to do phone hey, call too phone because, call like, too. I, you one know, on the, one the, phone the, call. the customer service. I'd like to know the backstory of the customer service people. Yeah, I what talk kind to. of insurance you selling me again? <laughs> That's an interesting stat. Um, I'll give you another one. Yeah, I need a. a, a I'll give you another one that. I stew on a lot, and I, I'm not going to ever get there, but I think I can maybe get a good estimate if I really deep dive on IMDb. I want to know how many movies I've actually watched. That's a good mm. question. And the, the way I'm trying to do that, and I've not gone deep dive enough on it yet, is I rate every movie I've seen. And it keeps track of how many all the movies you've rated. So therefore, you can then see it totals it up how many movies. And I'm at a couple hundred right now because I haven't I haven't gone through all the movies. But like I because movies are these pretty good time. I don't want to say wasters, not wasters, but they they take up a good chunk of time. Right. They take up an hour and a half to two and a half hours, even three, uh, if you're watching Titanic or something. Titanic's longer than three. So. And on, on one hand, you think, well, I haven't done that too, too much. But then you start to think about, if I'm just talking about, to use Brooks' word, unique movies, just just every different movie, that's one thing. But then how many movies have I watched multiple times? That would be tougher to, to gather up. But if I just start with saying, if I've watched a thousand yeah. movies. But this is your brain then, producing the answer for you right away. Huh? So you'd be able yeah, to get to that right. answer. But I, that but, would be I, but fascinating. I'm saying that's why it's in, that's why it's interesting to me because if I've watched like a thousand movies and they're at, they average out to around two hours, well then that's two thousand hours worth of movies Correct. just off of unique movies Correct. plus whatever I've watched multiple times. So that's a lot of time spending watching a movie. How many hours of your life have you spent playing video games? More than that. Net net <laughs> loss. <laughs> All that. Net All loss that. of golf balls in the course. That's what I'd like to know too. That's a good one. What, what do you about about you? What about you? I like I like uh, the the stats I, talking. Uh, phone calls in particular. How long I've been oh, on the phone right, that's with right. you said that uh, family and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But what I about mean, a second one? Dr. Pepper's consumed. Yes, that's what there I want for you. There it is. That's yeah. what I want for that's, you. Not not the vitamin waters, the Dr. Peppers. You've been doing been that for years thing. and years. Yeah. yeah. Yep. What stats about your life would you like to know if it was readily available to you? Let us know on our phone line or Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sports Call AU. Two hours are done alongside Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. My name is JJ Jackson. We're rolling! Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. 
Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. It has been a fun show so far, and we've got an hour left to go. To get us started in the third and final hour, as we do each and every day, let's make sure we do this. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um... Can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? All right, it's our Daily Show Recap here today on Sports Call. Brooks, what's happened? Uh, A lot of stuff. We've uh, had some great phone calls today. We've talked to Steve. We've talked to James. We've talked to Matt. We've talked to Terry. We've also had some great interviews. We had Chelsea Janes from the uh, Washington Post, the Major League Baseball national writer, was on. Talked a little bit about about Major League Baseball heading into the postseason, toward the postseason here as we hit September. Uh, We also had Justin Ferguson on from the Auburn Observer as we do almost every single week and he's been uh he updated us on some of the headlines from around Auburn football we you know talked about tj finley getting named starting quarterback and all the things surrounding Auburn football so we had a really good show and then of course we pondered the question as uh as we went to the hour break what stat would you like to know from your life and uh i i you know thinking about over the break i would also like to know like Pizzas eaten, I think. Ryan, you went down the the path of wings yeah. eaten. I would like to know pieces of pizza eaten. Our intern Drew Bahena just came up with some good ones too. Like the total time that you're looking at a screen in your life, what does that stat true look like? That's really good intel right there. And he had another one that I'm blanking on now. But when you have you're talking about what, what kind of screen? Phone screen, TV screen? Yeah, just total anything. Movie like screen. if you could if you could see how much time they're looking at a phone. Now, do I get counted twice if I have two TV screens? On? <laughs> yeah. I don't think uh, that probably wouldn't be too fair to to, uh, to yeah. be able to do that. I mean, I guess your eyes can only look at one thing at once. But so. screen time would be interesting. This was the other <laughs> one, and here's our question that we want you to answer today. If you could have the answer to any stat made available to you about your life. What would you want it to be? The number of chicken wings that I've consumed in my life. The number of drinks or whatever it be. Uh, Drew said this one too. What about if you were able to know the top 10 songs that you've listened to most in your lifetime and that was made available to you? That's really interesting too. That is a really That's interesting That's a good one. Because Spotify does like, the Spotify rap does it every single year for those, but like... You're driving around listening to songs on the radio, and you have no control over that. Right. And so I wonder... You walk into a restaurant, yeah. you hear a song you know. You go to a stadium before a game. Yeah. Music is always playing. The number of times in your life that you've listened to songs. I was about to say, you, could, you used to be able to do a, a large chunk of it because the iPod, you could connect it to um, the iTunes store, and it would tell you how much 
you literally tell you the number right. anytime you played something. So you can't control every single aspect of it. But I will say, if it was if you like music that's not mainstream and does not get played on the radio or does not get played in stadiums, then you. I mean, actually, you could get pretty close to knowing how much you listen to that song. Honestly, you could. You could. I think it's fun to think about. And it is like, is there a song that may have been like, I wonder if there was, you know, you, you're a baby and, you know, you're riding around in the car. You you have no comprehension of what's going on around you. Right. What if there's a song that just your parents loved and they played over and over and over and you listen to that and that kind of skews the numbers there a little bit. Your brain could give you the and information. You, and your brain, you know, at that young age, your brain just like, I don't know what's happening. I'm just riding around. Your brain has 26 years of data that it's trying to sort through right now, man. Uh-huh. You know? Gaga goo goo. I would want to know actually the setting that your first chicken wing was consumed. Ooh. I can't guarantee this is the first one. I can I guarantee I know what set me on a chicken wings. We were living um here we go. <laughs> Story. He's adjusting himself in his seat. Here we go. It was a well, because chicken wings are very important to me. Um <laughs> we were uh it was in elementary school. Um we lived in a town called Centerpoint back then, which uh, is north of Birmingham. It's no longer a great place. We ended up moving a couple of years after this, but uh, it was near Trustville, if you want a better landmarker. And uh, we were living at that house, so I was fourth, fifth grade, and uh, used to watch ABC Family Sunday nights because it would be uh, Kyle XY and some other shows i think uh falcon beach was a random show on for like two years wildfire or something like that and um dad made chicken wings and he put moore's wing sauce on them and put them in a big bowl tossed them around and moore's wing sauce and uh i loved it i loved it. it was kind of like a vinegary wing sauce and it was like the first time like i knew i liked buffalo wings and so, like, every Sunday, or at least most Sundays for a long period of time, um, Mom would come up from work, and Dad would make chicken wings just like that every single time. I'd, like, fight over if I got, like, eight wings or ten wings or eleven wings, even back in, like, fifth grade. And uh, that's that's definitely when I started to love chicken wings. I can't promise you that's the first time I ever had them, but it was the first time I had them like that. So it, actually, it was a. It, I rem, I mean, my memory sometimes be still trappy. So right. Um, yeah. No, I remember vividly where I mean everything about that. Yep. Give us a call. Let us know what you would like to know about your life. 334-887-3401. All right. So football season is set to get going, and we've been talking about the National Football League a little bit. Uh, want to do that a little bit more in detail here as we take a look at the upcoming season. We'll do some divisional previews here, taking a look at each of these conferences. And I want to start with the NFC East division today, taking a look at the four teams in that division between the Dallas Cowboys the New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles, and the Washington Commanders. When you look at that division, what's the first thing that comes to mind going into the 2022 season, gentlemen? Uh, for me, it, I mean, other than just like absurdly, you know, he's like, oh, what the Cowboys going to mess up this year? It's just the battle between Philadelphia and Dallas trying to close that gap. I don't think the Giants are anywhere in that conversation. I think the Commanders could be okay. 
But a lot of people love Philly, and Philly's a team that I think people love every year, honestly. I think they're one of the three or four teams that I feel like Indianapolis has loved a lot every year. I feel like the Chargers are loved a lot every year, which I, I love the Chargers personally this year too. But um, I, I think that it's just can the Eagles realistically actually live up to everything and, and challenge Dallas. That's, that's for me the biggest thing to look out for. I mean, Philadelphia made the playoffs last year. They didn't do nothing. They looked bad in their playoff game against Tampa Bay, but uh, Jalen Hurts did some positive things for them last year, and they've got they've got talent. So uh, I think for them and, and Dallas, you know, when you think about their schedule, they've got – I think they're aligned with the uh, NFC North this year, and then I want to say the AFC South. So they still got some games in there that are pretty winnable. Like AFC South is definitely what I'd want to play because of Houston and Jacksonville. And then uh, NFC North, you really just worry about Green Bay, maybe Minnesota. So I think there's a, a, a path for Philadelphia and Dallas to come up with pretty decent records this year, even if their football teams are just you know above average. Brooks? Yeah, I'm along those same lines. I think the, the top of the, the division is either going to be Dallas or Philadelphia. And I think even if you, know, you look at that Dallas team – and they've got talent there. It's just can they put it together and, and win this division? And I, I'll tell you what, I, I think if, even if they do win the division, uh, you're, you're still going to be talking about Mike McCarthy on the hot seat at the end of the year because it's just it's such a hard job to have as the Dallas Cowboys head coach. And it's it's just been a pretty dysfunctional, uh, but not not as a detrimental dysfunctional, really since uh, since he's been there. Uh, Philadelphia, I think they've got a team that can you know step back in and uh, win a division. I think Jalen Hurts is can take a step forward this year as an NFL quarterback. He's got some weapons around him. Um, I, I think that that could be a big year. I, it's a make or break year in in New York if you're uh, the quarterback's position because you've got some talented quarterbacks that are coming up in the draft. Uh, next year that the Giants could be looking at and this could be if Daniel Jones doesn't take a step forward under Brian Dable um, I think that it could be this could be the last year you see uh, Daniel Jones in a Giants uniform or starting in a Giants uniform um, other than that, you know, the, the the commanders, I think the commanders have a, have a shot to be the dark horse in this division um, because of Carson Wentz, if he can stay healthy and he can he can step up and have a good year this year. But I, I'm, I'm in the same camp as Ryan. I think Philadelphia and Dallas are the two teams that are going to be battling for this division at the very end. It's it's just a bad division all around. And, uh, I, you know, you, you look at these two teams and, Whoever whoever wins the season series probably with between Philadelphia and Dallas, if uh, I think that that team's going to win the division. You take a look at the NFC East. Here's a trivia question for folks out there: A quarterback in the NFC East just led the NFL in preseason passing yards. A quarterback in the NFC East just led the NFL in passing yards. Who is that quarterback? I do not know. There was the NFC East. An NFC East quarterback who had the most passing yards in the NFL preseason across three games. I'm going to say it's probably, uh, you know, just thinking about it, it's not going to be a starter, probably. Was it, uh, what's the Dallas's backup? Not Cooper Rush. Um, the other guy. That's that not guy. the answer. All right. That Sam was my Howell. Answer. Sam Howell okay. for the Washington Commanders. Looked pretty good. Uh, you mentioned Carson Wentz being there for the Commanders, but uh, the North Carolina product led the NFL in preseason passing yards. I know he's creating some buzz for them, and I, I am of the opinion that one day he will start. Yeah. Uh, it won't be this year because they've, they've got to let Carson Wentz try and, and be their guy. But 
Uh, I think I, I I don't see why how can't beat out Heineke for that number two role. I don't know if that's officially what ha- has happened or will happen, but yeah, he looked good in preseason, and uh, he, like I said, he generated a lot of buzz. We'll see what happens in that NFC East division. A lot of fun teams there. The NFC Least is how it's often referred to from time to time with those Cowboys, with those Eagles, with those Commanders, with those Giants. Let's take a quick timeout. Our show continues in a moment here on Sports Call. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. Moving forward on the program here, as we hope that you are doing well. It's game week for Auburn football on Saturday. They're taking on Mercer from inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. It's also the end of the NFL preseason. 53-man rosters are out. Guys are getting those final calls. Did they make the team or not? It's always some of the um, most gut-wrenching footage to watch when when you get a show like Hard Knocks that's become so popular to walk these guys into the coach's office and to find out, hey, kid, you made the team or not so much, not happening. I know that for someone like Sakobi McLean, he was cut today by the Baltimore Ravens, uh, which stings for sure, the former Auburn linebacker, who likely will land on his feet somewhere. But you just need that first opportunity that first chance, but with the 53-man rosters being in place, it signals that football season is right around the corner, and that's certainly what we love. Uh, Just talked about the NFC East. What if we switch conferences and give a discussion here about the AFC East, a division that features the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Bills? And unlike, you know, the past two decades when Tom Brady has been under center for the New England Patriots, We've got to start with the Buffalo Bills, who are AFC favorites in a lot of Las Vegas books to go all the way to the Super Bowl. Josh Allen coming back at quarterback, a Buffalo Bills team really, really loaded. They'll play in the first game of the season against the Rams. Brooks, talk to me about the AFC East. You're going to make me say it, aren't you? They're good. The Buffalo Bills are good. Um, they, I mean, yeah, they're they're a team that you look at and you say, yeah, this is a team that is should be one of the few favorites to win the the AFC, go to the Super Bowl. Uh, the biggest question is, can they get over that hump? Because that's been their biggest uh, issue in the last few years is just getting getting over that crest there and getting to the uh, the that Super Bowl uh, being a Super Bowl team. Um, 
you want got to wonder how the offense is going to look now that Brian Dable is gone and uh, everything. But I, I you know you, you look at the team; they've got a lot of veteran guys. Josh Allen's still a, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, and it shouldn't take that much of a step back, if any sort of step back. Um, the, this Buffalo team should you know continue to run this AFC East this year, maybe next year uh, going forward. Um, yeah, I mean the biggest question I was listening to a, a show today, one of the national shows. They said the biggest question for the Buffalo Bills is their punter, and that's that's a really good position you want to be in if you're a, a football team. That that's uh, that's your biggest question is your punter and your punting situation. Um, you know the second team could be either the Patriots or the Dolphins. Uh, how anything sta- stacks up, you, there's a lot of positive stuff coming out from Miami right now. Tua's got a really really good uh, receiving core now, adding Tyreek Hill over the off season. Um, and so you, you've got a new coaching staff down there too and so it, this could be a good year for Miami to take a step forward I think it, this is going to be a year it's not as big of a deal like what I said in the last segment with Daniel Jones how that in the in the NFC East that this is his proving year um, but I think this has got to be a year that you see some improvement from Tua or else the the Dolphins may start you know to invest you know start to look somewhere else maybe not this year but may start to get it say hey maybe we need you know in the next couple of years we need to start looking for a quarterback here. Uh, or you can make a move in the free agency, you know, uh, free agency, or making a trade or somewhere. But I think this has got to be a year that Tua's got to take a step forward, especially with the weapons he's got around him. The Patriots are the first time that you know anybody that's said this in a while are probably the biggest question mark because you don't know what they're going to do without an offensive coordinator. You've got two guys in. Um, in Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia spent some time on the on the offensive side of the ball, but it was very, very brief. Uh, and he's been a defensive coach most of his career uh, in the NFL. And you've got Joe Judge, who's never coached on the offensive side of the ball. He's always been a special teams guy until this year. Who's going to be calling the plays? There's a lot of people out there that think it's going to start with those two sharing play calling duties, and then some people could. Uh, there's been some rumors out there that Bill Belichick's. You know, if it's not going well, Bill Belichick could himself step up and take over the offense which who knows what that would look like uh going forward and so you you need to you know there's they've the patriots have some weapons uh not number one weapons obviously they've they've got some talent there uh but you know with with this team it's just a big question mark i don't think they fall to fourth uh because the jets still exist as a franchise and though robert Sala does have them kind of trending in a good direction appears through at least preseason seeing it um, they're still the Jets. They're still solidly going to finish in that fourth place and have a pretty good draft pick next year. But you know, uh, depending on and this is the, I'm going to say it the same way with uh, the Patriots and the, the Dolphins. As I said the Cowboys and the Eagles, but obviously not to the same extent because neither of them are winning the division. I think whoever wins that season series between those two, you if someone wins that season series, obviously you can have a split with one game apiece. But whoever if if a team wins that series, that's the team that's going to finish second to the Bills, and and then the third the other team will finish third. Yeah. I, so I was looking up some statistics here for the teams, and Buffalo got so little out of their season when you're just talking statistically, because Buffalo ended up being the best scoring defense in the NFL last year. And they were the third best scoring offense, yet they went eleven and six. Conversely, Miami, who you know everyone is really high on this year, things will make big strides. They were twenty uh, second in scoring offense and 
16th in scoring defense, yet they still pieced out 9-8. and eight. That was a two-win difference when Miami did not have a side of the football that was better than 16th, and Buffalo did not have a side of the football that was worse than third. So I think Buffalo will be wonderful statistically again. They obviously had an epic game against Kansas City in the playoffs last year. And so I think Buffalo, uh, I actually like Buffalo and the Chargers right now maybe as my two best teams in the AFC. Can't Look, there's a, a host of teams right behind, not not forgetting about Kansas City. I, I, I love what, what Baltimore can be with Lamar Jackson, obviously Cincinnati. The list goes on and on and on. But I, but I, I think Buffalo is a, a clear favorite here uh, because they've, they're good on both sides of the ball. They, they obviously have a, a top quarterback in the league that can do multiple things. Uh, they have a, a wonderful number one wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, who I think is one of the five or six best receivers in the league. And, and again, that defense has proven. I think it could be a little slow out of the gates defensively for Buffalo because I believe I, I think it's Tredavious White is is out to start the year or at least not expected to, to be in the first few games. Uh, but but they'll come around. I think I think they'll win some high scoring games early and they'll be all right. I was also trying to differentiate Miami versus New England because. I think that is a real race for second. Uh, you talked about Brooks, Miami being very positive what they've done in, in the preseason, what they did in the offseason. Conversely, I've actually seen some people really uh, involved with New England really low on New England's offense uh, this uh, this preseason. And Matt Jones throwing some throwing a weirdly bad interception. I, I'm not too caught up in the preseason stuff. Teams have weird results. They have weird things. They're playing against units and, t- and players they won't be playing against in the regular season. I wouldn't take too much stock in that. But nevertheless, I do think Miami and New England are are in that same tier at the very least coming into the season. They're in the tier that are probably not Super Bowl contenders, probably not looking to go to the AFC Championship game, but could still make the playoffs as a wild card team. And uh, that's obviously what New England did last year. But the starts to these seasons are so interesting for both Miami and New England. So Miami's first four games, by the way, that's the week one matchup, Miami and New England. They'll get it kicked off immediately and have a, one of the teams will have a leg up on the other. Miami then goes to Baltimore, who, again, reminder for everybody, even though they missed the playoffs, they were the number one team in the AFC until Lamar Jackson got hurt last year. Then they host Buffalo, the aforementioned Bills, who we think are going to be really good. And then they're at... Cincinnati on a Thursday night. That's a laciously tough first four games before uh, America's favorite New York Jets team uh, gets uh, gets week number five for the Dolphins. For the Patriots, obviously, they've got that week one Miami game. Then they go to Pittsburgh. Okay, that is a winnable game, but Pittsburgh's always a tough, fundamentally sound football team. And then the Patriots play Baltimore. They host them. And then the Patriots go to Lambeau Field and play the Packers. That is a very interesting first four games for both those teams. I think it'll say a lot about their football teams, not only that head-to-head matchup in week one, but also just how they navigate those first four weeks before they get a break because in week five, uh, I, I told you Miami gets the Jets, New England gets the Lions. So both teams should feel really good about their week five opponents, but getting to week five might determine at least who has the leg up there on, on, on who will be the second team in the AFC East and who could potentially get a wild card spot out of that 
so many storylines to look at within this division and a, a division again that's been dominated by the Patriots for two decades plus and here we are getting set for the third season that Tom Brady is not a member of this division and you've got the Mac Jones era of New England Patriots football going there the Dolphins so interesting with uh, their coaching change Brian Flores no longer leading the charge in the offseason noise that uh, came with that Tyreek Hill now a part of that Dolphins franchise and what in the world can the New York Jets do Zach Wilson at quarterback you know what is what it, it does he have that dog in him as the internet likes to ask, <laughs> my fellas, mind too, yeah. I, uh, you, you got to know. And, and we're going into year two. You want to see quarterbacks take a step forward in that second year, and they're going to get the chance to. Well, well, here's what I will say about the Jets. I don't think they're ready, uh, but I think they are building a, a better roster. Okay, I think ultimately I, I'd have to stare at the schedule. They'll pro- they're probably only a five-win team this year or so. And now I've got the schedule pulled up in front of me. Uh, they too just just hellacious stuff. Baltimore. Everyone everyone in the AFC East plays Baltimore in the first four weeks. That's kind of weird. Uh, Baltimore at Cleveland, host Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. That Miami game then at Green Bay, uh, at Denver, host New England, host Buffalo, then by at New England. What is that? Am I like ten games in the season? I'm not sure the Jets can win any. I mean, maybe they can win one of them, but they certainly won't be favored. Any of those ten till they get to Chicago. So look, the Jets have a tough schedule record-wise. I don't think you're going to get great things out of it. But I really like their draft. I really like Sauce Gardner. I like Garrett Wilson of Ohio State. Brees Hall as a second-round running back is solid. Jeremy Rucker, the tight end out of Ohio State, was productive. Uh, I love their front. Obviously, Carl Lawson should be healthy this year. Um, for the Jets, Quentin Williams is a monster up the middle out of Alabama. Sheldon Rankin's quality player. Um, so they've got some young players. LaMarcus Joyner even uh, in the secondary. They've got some young players that I really like. I just think they're too young. They're not going to be good enough uh, specifically uh, in that backfield. Michael Carr is an okay running back. He's a young running back too. But I don't love Zach Wilson, admittedly. I don't love their wide receivers aside from who they drafted, which, was, again, I said was, was Garrett Wilson, you know, Corey Davis has kind of been a bust in the NFL. Uh, and then Elijah Moore uh, at Ole Miss. You know, I like Elijah Moore at Ole Miss, but I'm not sure how he translates uh, in the NFL. So I just don't think there'll be any good offensively, but I think defensively, and that comes from the Robert, Robert Sala stuff, Brooks, that you've, I'm sure you've seen. Uh, Salah's got that defensive background, so I think the Jets will get will keep some scores down, and they might be able to upset somebody just because I think their defense will will cause some problems. But I still think they're clearly on that like Jaguars, uh, Jets, and Texans tier. That's like these are the three teams that are clearly not making the playoffs, and then everyone else has a chance to. Maybe you, I, I they're no, I know they're not this bad. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, maybe Cleveland is maybe in the not make the playoffs tier just because of Brissett having to be their quarterback for 11 or so weeks. I don't know. Um, and then what will Deshaun be even when he comes back? Will he be rusty for a couple weeks? That would be perfectly understandable after not playing last year and then being out most of this year. So maybe Cleveland's ultimately not a playoff team either. Their, their roster's so talented they, they should be in the mix. But maybe maybe they just got too much drama going on. They're, they're better than Jacksonville, Houston, and the Jets by a good bit, but they'll be brought down by Brissett set and and just the weird stuff going on there but that's beside the point all that to say i'm really excited about this division just because i think it will produce a super bowl caliber team 
and then it will produce interesting storylines because as you mentioned brooks i mean i haven't spent any time on it but like two has got to play well this year he's got 16 tds 10 picks last year and he didn't play the whole season so he was throwing a lot of picks um you know Mike McDaniel, the new coach, I really like him, but you know he's been blowing sunshine uh, up for Tua. He's calling him one of the most accurate quarterbacks he's seen. I don't know about that. Tua's got accuracy. Uh, he's got some accuracy for sure, but you're throwing 10 picks and something in the decision-making process or something's going awry. And obviously, there's a question about his arm strength as well. So on paper, I love Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill, and maybe you just throw quick slants and just, just – dice people up that way but that's that's going to be interesting two alabama quarterbacks there uh in that vying for that second spot i'd probably rather have mac jones i'd also probably rather have miami skill position players so that kind of evens up the the playing field there and uh i don't know it's gonna be an interesting race but yeah the the afc east AFC is more interesting in the, than the NFC East. I think that's fair to say. I think it's – you mentioned it a little bit ago. I think it's really interesting that the Jets get their all their AFC North uh, opponents out of the way in the first four weeks of the season. That's – I don't think I've, I've looked at the Jets' schedule. One, just, you know, who needs to look at the Jets' schedule, right, really? Right, yeah. Um, but, the, you know, you get right off the gate with those four uh, AFC, the AFC North teams. That is just – that is interesting, and that is – that's tough. And then, like I, I said, Baltimore plays – I think Baltimore – plays three of their four east games yeah. in the first four weeks so they're they're busy involved with the afc's i mean you know you you look at that jet schedule you know like you said it it can be tough sledding for the jets uh up until you hit maybe that chicago game in late november uh maybe the new england game it could be close you know because you just don't know what's going to happen with the patriots and i hate to say that so much but you know you just don't know what's going to happen with them um and then minnesota and buffalo those those are two tough games and then you kind of get back into a winnable games there with detroit jacksonville and the seattle right there yeah, Who that's is- a good run at the end what to that kind of sucks for them though because if they're like one in 12 yeah. or two and 11 or whatever do you really want to play a bunch of easy teams and ruin your draft stock and win out three out of four and then pick seventh instead of second? I don't know. It's just me out loud. But no, I, I think that's a good point because it's it's you know you 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 get to that point in the year and you're you're starting to eye you know fans are starting to say oh we could have like the number one draft pick at this point and then you look at that schedule and you're like oh well now those we are play. the other teams yeah, involved that's yeah. and so who who is going to lose more out of those games. Um, but that's you know that's just a very very interesting schedule. I think Jets this year, and I said it a little bit earlier, and you know like I said, uh, I think Robert Sala's got them trending in a right in a good direction. Um, they're still not going to be that good this year. I think they could be one of these teams that you look back at the end of the year and look at their record and say they're a better team than their record says. Because, you know, you could say, you know, what, maybe four or five wins somewhere in there and looking at that schedule. And you, you could say, well, they were in a lot of those games. There's a chance that they, you know, some of these uh, teams that maybe, you know, that you play that maybe aren't going to win a division, uh, you know, especially a couple of those teams in the AFC North. You play, you know, a couple of those teams, you know, maybe you're in the game with Green Bay late. Maybe you're in the game with Minnesota late. Um, it, there's going to be a couple games in there that you're going to look at and say they almost had that one. Like this, this team is a little bit better than what we what their record says, and you know that go have a good draft the next year like they did this year, and you could put yourself into a much much better posi- uh, position if they the Jets. Well, and look at it too, Brooks. You know it, the NFL is not exempt from upsets either. No. I mean, look, it's still football, and these are all professionals. Look at two of the four Jets wins last year. They beat. The Super Bowl running up 
Cincinnati Bengals. That's totally not the way to word that. But they they won the AFC champion or beat the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, and they beat the Tennessee Titans. Who correct me if I'm wrong? They ended up being the one seed, right? They yeah, ultimately lost their first did. playoff game, but they were the one seed. So they beat the one seed. And they beat the Bengals, who ultimately went to the Super Bowl. And, oh, by the way, uh, I know this one very well. In the last game, the, the game before the end of the year, they should have beaten the Bucks. They had co- coaching malpractice, and they should have beaten the Bucks. And then Tom Brady gave them one more middle finger for all, all time's sakes. <laughs> uh, but, but they could have easily beaten three playoff teams out of their wins last year. So, look, that doesn't may, mean, oh, they're on the cusp of something special this year. But but like we're saying, you know, we, we look at at their schedule and I say they're going to be favored to lose first 10 games of the year they might win a couple they, they might surprise someone like Tennessee and Cincinnati last year and everyone be very upset that they did that the uh, I was I was trying to look at some of these schedules here <coughs> you know you you obviously expect the the bills to have a really tough schedule because uh, they were the number one team. You know, uh, the, the Patriots have a very, very interesting schedule this year. And it's, you know, it, it's a mixture of teams that you look at and you're like, man, that, that could be a very interesting game. I'm, you, you know, obviously you've got all the AFC North uh, opponents, you've got all the NFC North opponents, but sprinkled in there with them, you've got the, the Colts, who you don't know what they could be like this year with uh, Matt Ryan as their new quarterback. Uh, you've got the Cardinals going on the road to the Cardinals, and you're going on the road to uh, Vegas this year. And, you know, Vegas has looked fairly well in the preseason uh, with with uh, McDaniels as their new head coach out there. And uh, Derek Carr continues to look good as a, their quarterback. And so there, there's some interesting spots on a lot of these schedules in the AFC East. I think overall, though, like what we said, Bills far and away best team in this in this division. They should not lose the game, or they should not lose the division. Um, and then you've got a, a race between the the the, the Dolphins and the, the Patriots for potentially a playoff spot there, but just more than likely the second place. I, I think what one of the things here why this everything's so competitive is one, there's so many good wide receivers. It seems like everyone's got a guy that can make plays. A lot of teams have two guys. Heck, the Bucks have like five guys that make plays. And there's other teams. The Rams, Cooper Cup's awesome. And what do we do? Get Allen Robinson. They're just loading up with wide receivers. These teams have – everyone has guys that make big plays for them. So that's one. Two, just overall, the quarterback play in this league is in a really good place because there are some issues with – the teams we're talking about today, right? With Tua, Mac Jones is, was just a rookie last year. We don't know enough about him. Obviously, same with Zach Wilson. But so many of these teams that are going to be really competitive and really good across this league, you look at just, just AFC, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, okay? If Deshaun Watson gets to play eventually and looks like his – before Deshaun Watson didn't play, he was awesome. He's top five, six quarterback in the league. Um, when you think about Joe Burrow and what he did last year, you got West, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Derek Carr in an entire division. That's that's a division. Matt Ryan now with the Colts. Um, these guys that were maybe 12th or 13th, let's say three years ago, like a Tannehill or Cousins, if you had Cousins like 13th or 14th in the league, 
They're more like 18th or 19th now. Kirk Cousins threw for 300 yards. Statistically, Kirk Cousins will make you a happy fantasy owner. He will not make his franchise very happy because he will not make, meet the moment. Okay, You will not like that when he is having to do something in the clutch. But statistically, he's great. He's awesome. And this league has so many quarterbacks because you have you have your traditional throwers. But now you've got guys that are dangerous with their legs. And so there's this whole block of guys. Lamar Jackson, obviously. Jalen Hurts, what he can do. Russell Wilson's been a great thrower, but he's always been able to run as well. So you have a block of guys, a segment of guys that can do it with their legs too. It adds a whole different dimension, and it makes you appreciate more ways to play the quarterback position. So this league is just full of a line of good quarterbacks. And that's why the questions around someone like Tua are real because to you, you might see some redeeming qualities in what Tua does, sure. But he still, as of right now, I don't think you'd put him in the top 20 of NFL quarterbacks. He's got to prove. And if you're not in the top 20, you should be looking to find someone that can get you into the top 20. And so that that's what makes it what makes Miami interesting what makes this league so good and so interesting because there's just so on any given day there's 15 16 quarterbacks that could all have a wow game and that's pretty special we're getting ready for football season that's what's special is that it's right around the corner less than 10 days away from the start of the NFL season man we're excited for it let's get a tv guide before we're out of here today our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, our Nightly TV Guide with less than 45 seconds. Brooks, you're on the clock. What's on television tonight? Uh, movie picks for you this evening. 7 o'clock on TNT for your Marvel fix of the evenings. Captain America Civil War, phenomenal movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, go watch that. If you're looking to knock out your whole evening, yeah. your other movie pick at 7 o'clock on Paramount is Titanic. That will take up you all the way up you to bedtime. You say that because it's a very long it is, movie. It is a very, very long movie. Uh, the U.S. Open tennis continues tonight at 6 o'clock on ESPN and ESPN2. Some great matchups in the men's and women's side of things. Featuring Rafael Nadal gets underway tonight. and the, the, He's the two-seed in this year's tournament. Uh, Major League Baseball action tonight at 6 o'clock on TBS. It's the Los Angeles Dodgers taking on the New York Mets. Braves country are Dodgers fans this uh, this week for only two times in the year that happens. And, of course, at 620 on Valley Sports South, Colorado uh, Rockies take on the Atlanta Braves. Max Fried on the mound for the Braves. He's back. Jose Urena on the mound for the Rockies. There you go. No Ronald Acuna Jr. to pitch at, though, for, for Jose. But we, uh, we'll have fun watching the Braves game a little bit later tonight. I'm off tomorrow. Got Auburn Volleyball taking on Alabama State on the SEC Network. Plus, Ryan LaVoy. Sits in the big chair. He does that coming up tomorrow. I'll see both of you boys later in the week, all right? Sounds sir. good, brother. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and calling in to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Thank you to Chelsea Janes and Justin Ferguson for joining us on the show. For Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, I'm J.J. Jackson. Thank you and good day.